0: All right. So <clears throat> this evening we're going to continue our study through the through the book of Second Chronicles. We are in uh, chapter thirty-one of Second Chronicles. So please turn in your Bibles. There, 2 Chronicles, chapter thirty-one. As you're turning there, I'm going to just give you a few reminders. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. Last week we were uh, part. We were right in the middle of our week of prayer and fasting, and so. Uh, we didn't have our midweek study in uh, in Second Chronicles, but um, just to kind of get you up to speed, uh, Hezekiah had restored uh, temple worship, having the temple itself cleaned out and cleansed out, the instruments of worship brought back in, uh, had the Levites and priests consecrate themselves. In fact, uh, it was Hezekiah that put out an official call to all of the people of Judah to repent, to uh, repent. Uh, And uh, also to come to the sanctuary, so repent, come to the sanctuary, and then to serve the Lord, their God, so that his fierce anger may turn away from them. And as he put this call out, we know that there were some who rejected that call to repentance and others who received that call to repentance, and those that did assembled in Jerusalem, and there was a great assembly, that had gathered and observed the Passover. Now, if you could recall, it wasn't just one week that they celebrated, but they they took that week and they doubled it. They went another week and continued to celebrate. In fact, in verse 21 of 2 Chronicles chapter 30, it says, And the people of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness, And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might to the Lord. And Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites, who showed good skill in the service of the Lord. So they ate the food of the festival for seven days, sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord, the God of their fathers. And then verse 23, then the whole assembly agreed together to keep the feast for another seven days. So they kept it for another seven days. With gladness. So it wasn't out of duty, out of obligation, but it was simply because they wanted to keep it for another seven days, and so they did. Verse 26 says So there was a great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy habitation in heaven. What an awesome note! That the, the praises of God's people, the sacrifices of God's people reached his habitation, his very presence to be told, Hey, listen, I want you to know refuge, that the praises that you sung to God, the sacrifices that you so willingly and joyfully came and offered them to the Lord, that the, the, the fellowship of the saints and the prayers of the saints, oh, it has all reached his habitation Oh, in other words, it is well pleasing to the Lord what you have participated in, what you have done, what you have spoken, the manner in which you interacted with each other and served Him. It was a blessing. It blessed the Lord, our God's heart. He is pleased, He was honored, He was exalted. Well, as we go into chapter 31, we come to understand that the effect this had on the people went far beyond. It was, they were filled with joy, which resulted in praise, which affected their immediate action against anything that would hinder, pollute, or dilute their worship of the Lord their God. And as we saw, they put their worship in order. And as we're going through this chapter, we see it continuing through this chapter. They put their worship in order according to God's word. Not their own thoughts, not their own plans. But they made sure that their worship was orderly. It was all organized and planned according to God's word. They were done doing it their own way. You know, we we have to get to a point in our lives, in our walks with the Lord, to where we say, enough. I am done trying to do church, trying to do ministry, trying to please the Lord and exercise my faith my way. I am ready to yield everything to the Lord, and I want to do it His way. I want what I do, and the manner in which I conduct myself, and the things that I say, I want those to reach the habitation of God in heaven. That's what I desire. Heavenly Father, may that be our desire. Oh Lord, that we would not make up the way we worship. There's too many excuses, too many attempts to justify why it is that we don't worship or we do worship the way we do worship. Lord, oh. We know that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Lord, let judgment of our own sin begin in our own hearts. May revival take place in our own hearts and minds that we may surrender, yield ourselves completely to you, not making excuses, as a why or why not, but simply, simply giving to you of ourselves completely as living sacrifices that it would be acceptable to you for you are worthy of our lives in their entirety. And so, Father, encourage us this evening. I, I know, according to what we have before us, we will be encouraged if we so allow ourselves to be encouraged by your word. May your spirit... Teach us all things that pertain to you and help us to understand what we have before us. That your people may mature in understanding your word and know how to apply it. That we may glorify you and so prove that we love you. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's uh, begin by reading uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 31 in just the first verse, which says Now, when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the ashram and broke down the high places and the altars throughout all Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. Then all the people of Israel returned to their cities, every man. To his possession. <laughs> this was um, this was a result of what had taken place just prior to this. Those who worked to tear down the idols and altars to worship the idols, that, that, did not, that work did not include the whole of Israel. But only those who were present at the time of worship and service. Because remember that there were those who laughed them to scorn and mock them back in chapter 30 verse 10. When Hezekiah had sent the call out and, uh, for the people to repent and to come to Jerusalem to observe the celebration of Passover. Passover. But those who did receive the call to repent and gather to worship the Lord were greatly blessed. And realized they had to take action against the idols and the modes of their worship after having celebrated the Passover. You see what happens when you acknowledge the greatness of God, when you exalt His name, is that you feel compelled to. To serve a righteous and holy God. You want to bless him. You want to glorify him. And what happens is those things that are not of God are exposed all the more in your own mind and heart. And you know they got to go. You see what was happening in that time of worship when we gathered together to worship God is that godly character is being built. Chuck Swindoll said this, quote, character is a moral and spiritual undergirding that reinforces a life and that resists the temptation to compromise. Close quote. A godly character was being reinforced in the people of God. To fail to participate and the worship of God, and the fellowship of the saints, does quite the opposite. It actually erodes the godly character that at one point perhaps was being built up. Oh, we think that we can stay away and still be okay. To not gather together with the fellowship of the saints, but that's actually in opposition to God's word. God tells us very clearly To gather together. In fact, we can't even observe communion as often as we possibly can if we're not gathering together. Isn't that true? In fact, in Hebrews it says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves, as is the manner of some. But do so even more as you see the day drawing near or approaching Do you not see the day approaching? The days, oh, they're getting shorter. Jesus is coming soon. We ought to be gathering all the more. And as we do so, what happens is iron sharpens iron. We can encourage, exhort, admonish, teach, disciple. We can do all those things as we gather together in godly character is being molded and shaped as Jesus Christ is working amongst us and we are being sanctified. As we consider Judah and all that was going on, we need to remember that it was the king who started this, this whole movement of making sure that temple worship was reinstated, He started this as he had removed all the articles associated with idol worship and returned all the articles associated with the true worship of God. Back in chapter 29 and verse 15. It says, They gathered their brothers and consecrated themselves and went in as the king had commanded, that is, King Hezekiah, by the words of the Lord. So according to God's word, to cleanse the house of the Lord. The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to the brook Kidron. They began to consecrate on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord." Then for eight days they consecrated the house of the Lord, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. When they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the table for the showbread and all its utensils, all the utensils that King Ahaz discarded in his reign when he was faithless. We have made ready and consecrated, and behold... They are before the altar of the Lord. This was something that was initiated by the king. And the people cut down and broke down all the false altars around Judah. And even went into a portion of Israel and did the like into the northern kingdom. Listen, our consecration, our worship, our personal joy will always affect more than just ourselves. Always. It will always make an impact on other people that are around us. The, the cloud of witnesses that we have around us. Is our sphere of influence. That which we have been gifted to influence. And we do so one way or another. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 it says in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul writes, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ, To God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Um, There's a reason why it is that people respond the way they do to us. To someone who is genuinely walking with the Lord at some point People start responding. At first they may think, well, he or she is going through a phase and perhaps they'll work through it. They'll be their old self again at some point. And when you don't, because you've been transformed, you've been given a new heart, new desires, new purpose, a new hope in Christ, what happens is people start taking note. And then things start to change. Now, we need to, if we're not impacting those around us, then perhaps we're in compromise. At some point, we start impacting those around us, one way or the other. Well, after this thorough cleansing that the people partook in, of destroying the idols and the altars for the idols, all the people went home. You know, it would be great and good if this happened in America, wouldn't it be? A great cleansing of the land, of all idol worship and its mechanisms. National repentance took place and a national cleansing, well, would happen with all people. Perhaps that God's fierce anger may turn away from us. When instead of protecting innocent life, the president and vice president mourn the rejection of Roe v. Wade. When instead of upholding law and order, the media, many political leaders and much of the country push to defund the police and call chaos and destruction mostly peaceful. When instead of uniting the country, our leaders are dividing it with CRT programs. Everywhere. When instead of focusing on true education, our leaders are looking the other way as our children are being sexualized and perverted, indoctrinating them in perverse ways, polluting their minds and courts are denying parental rights to raise their children and instead are allowing the mutilation of their bodies at an early age when instead of securing our borders, our leaders neglect that responsibility and leave us vulnerable. Try doing that with your home. Listen, brothers and sisters, we're headed down a path of judgment as America. The road that we are on right now, we will be judged. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And I believe that we are actually going into the first first portions of judgment. God's fierce anger will come against this country. We have not seen the beginning of it. If the warning is not heeded and repentance does not take place. Do I want revival here? In America, absolutely. Listen, for anyone who's sitting down right now and thinking, here we go, this is a political statement. I couldn't be further from the truth. This is a biblical warning. Just as the prophets of the Old Testament warned, so I am according to God's word, warning. Our dear United States of America, our government is corrupt. Our system is broken. It is morally bankrupt. This nation has turned its back on God. And so it's a call. It's not anything political. It's a call to repentance. It's a call to repent of this evil and turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior. In fact, the first part of the judgment of the people is God giving the people, according to Romans one twenty four, twenty six, 26, and 28, giving the people up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, to dishonorable passions, to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That is exactly what's happening today in America. Drag shows for kids. If you've seen, have you seen the pictures of, of, of kids being brought up on, on stage? And I won't even begin to describe some of the things that they are doing with these children. No, we need to repent. Repent. We need to speak out against those things. Why? Because it's perverse. And they're stealing the hearts of our children. But then I'm reminded of Nineveh. Did you know that Nineveh is not part of the promise? It wasn't part of the promised land. It was a worldly people. And yet, the Lord saw what was happening there. And he wanted to send Jonah. Now Jonah wanted to go the other way, right? Literally, like, I, Nineveh is this way. He got on a boat and a ship and started going in the exact opposite direction. In Jonah 3:10, it says, "When God saw what they did, how they turned away, turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. That's why I know if a nation is called to repent, they heed the warning, and they turn from their wicked ways, then the Lord, well, he could relent of the disaster that he said he would do to the people who completely oppose him and are wicked and evil in their ways and not do it. It's not political. It's biblical. And if anyone needs to heed this warning, it's us within the church. Do not compromise. Stand in truth. Just like the people who had just observed the Passover for two weeks celebrated, tore down all the idols and all the mechanisms of idolatry. All of it torn down and then they went home they were on the right path they were doing the right thing verse 2 and hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and of the levites divisions by division division by division each according to a service the priests and the levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to ministers in the gates of the camp of the lord and to give thanks and praise the contribution of the king from his own possessions was for the burnt offerings. The burnt offerings of morning and evening and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths. The new moons and the appointed feasts as it is written in the law of the Lord. So the, the initial, as we learn, as we continue to move along in the establishment of the worship of God... We understand that the initial worship, the two weeks that they celebrated observing the Passover, was not a flash in the pan, a one-hit wonder, so to speak, right? An excitement for a moment and then forgotten. We need to think about that for ourselves. Too many, too many people get excited for a moment. You see them sometimes around for a week or two or three weeks, or maybe even a couple months. And then when they realize that the service of God and the worship of God, well, it requires our sacrifice. Then it seems like sometimes the initial excitement is forgotten. The zeal that a person once had is fading away. This was not that way. It continued to not only gain momentum, but strength. Hezekiah making sure of this. He appointed, he assigned order and positions to ensure that the regular and daily worship of God was established in Jerusalem. I love that because for Hezekiah, it was like, no, 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 I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to make sure that everything is taken care of here. Everything is planned. Everything is orderly. According to God's word. Had Hezekiah not done this, the people would have easily gone back to worshiping God however they pleased. They would have had self-appointed leaders who did things their way, and there would be no order. Not that people don't try to do that anyway. That's just the inclination that we have. And there would be no central worship from which all other worship comes from, but a splintering of the people and not a unifying common manner of worship overseen by those appointed to ensure worship according to and in God's truth. Oh, it's important. Orderly, planned, consistent worship of God according to his word is critical to the health of his people. And so Hezekiah established orderly worship, which, by the way, doesn't mean that the Spirit is absent. There were divisions, that means groupings, teams of priests and Levites. Each division assigned specific work for the service and worship of God. To teach, to counsel, and to guard at the gates. To judge matters and for the administration of offerings, the observation of festivals, and the keeping of the temple according to the word of God. And note one thing as we read through that the king also contributed his personal portion in support of this work. To facil- facilitate, he himself was being obedient to the word of God. Giving, as we saw here, as we read from his own possessions. You know, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Well, let's continue. Verse 4 says, And he, Hezekiah, commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites, that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything." So the the, the king gives this command. The command, everyone is to tithe. In other words, come, fulfill your obligations according to the word of God, according to the law of Moses. They all knew it very well. What was this for? Just because? No. It had a purpose behind it. This tithe was meant to support the work of the ministry of the priests and Levites. What was their work? Well, to study and teach the law of the Lord, as well as minister to God in the sacrifices and the administration that included the temple in its entirety. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 21 Says, to the Levites, I have given every tithe, and this is God speaking. He says, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute. Throughout your generations and among the people of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. And so as we consider those few verses, we understand that this establishes that the tithe belonged God. As we read in Numbers 18, 21, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel. In fact, when someone didn't give their tithe, they were not robbing the Levite. They were not robbing the priests. But they were, in reality, robbing God of what is due him to do what he desires to to do it with or for. Now, this was actually addressed in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, which says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say... if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Very clear that the Lord is saying this is how. They were not robbing the Levites. They were not robbing the priests if they neglected to follow through and be obedient with the tithe. They were robbing actually God withholding that which belongs to God. It's interesting. You know, and I know we don't we don't live in the Old Testament times. We live under the new covenant, right? New Testament. But I find it interesting how people today make every justification for why they don't tithe. Number 1, it's not commanded in the New Testament. Another thing that I have heard often, I I give in service and therefore I hold some back. In effect, charging for their service. Another thing that is said, I spread out my contributions among many charities. Or I have given to the missions fund and so therefore I, I don't tie the whole amount. And so it's a portion here, a portion over there. Or I'm just, I'm working on it, I'll get to it at some point I'll get to it or I can't afford it right now all of those things but that doesn't explain uh, the widow and the two mites because Jesus didn't tell the disciples to go tell the widow listen that was very nice of you but go ahead and take it out of the the treasury box and and, and take it home it was an object lesson On how to give sacrificially to the Lord. I know. I know very well that a tithe is not explicitly commanded in the New Testament. But we need to understand this. It sure does speak of it in a positive manner. If done with the right heart. Have you ever considered that? Remember that the tithe was actually practiced before the law of Moses. Practice before that. You can read that if you're jotting down notes. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. In fact, this is how Jesus addressed the Pharisees. In Luke chapter 11, verse 42, it says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done, without neglecting the others see if you get the whole counsel of God then it starts to kind of wow okay Jesus didn't say to stop no one said to stop it's just that God loves a cheerful giver what does it really come down to comes down to this the heart comes down to the heart Do the verses in Hebrews and Luke imply that the tithe is actually still in place? Hmm. Either way, I will tell you this God loves a cheerful giver, those who are generous at heart toward God. What we do know about giving in the New Testament is that it is to be regular, it is to be planned. It is to be proportional to what you are willing to give. It is to be private. It is to be generous and freely and cheerfully given. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 1 through 4. And as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. Because if the goal is to give as little as possible then the heart is not in the right place. Because this is not so much a financial issue as it is a spiritual issue. In the early church, in fact, if you read in the first few chapters there, they were giving more than the tithe. Were they not, in fact, Ananias and Sapphira were, uh, they were put to death because they lied to the Holy Spirit because they were encouraged actually by Barnabas, who had sold his property and given everything to the church. That's that's a bit more than the tithe, don't you think? So if you want to reflect New Testament giving, (laughs) you might want to go back to the tithe. It's just a matter of the heart. That's what it comes down to. Like I said, it's a matter of the heart. Well, I think it would do us good to see how the people responded to the command that Hezekiah made to them according to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Abundantly, right? They not only gave the tithe, but in abundance. Abundance was collected. Their hearts were right before the Lord. I don't care who commanded me. I know that's the commandment of the Lord. I'm going to give and I'm going to give generously. And that's what happened with them. In fact, as we continue in verse 6, it says, And the people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of the cattle and sheep and the tithe of the dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God and laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to pile up the heaps And finished them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest who was of the house of Zadok, answered him, Since they began to bring the contributions into the house of the Lord, we have eaten and had enough and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people so that we have this large amount left. Oh, what a response. Did you you get the repetition of the word heaps and heaps and heaps and more heaps and large amounts? It was just, it was a repetition. To emphasize the generosity of the people, their response, oh, it was obedience. Large amounts of everything were gathered and they were piling up. Didn't even have time to organize. That, that's what this, um, as you go through and you, and you realize what, what this is saying is that they didn't even have enough time. Over the course of these months, it's just people kept bringing, kept bringing, kept bringing. We're like, okay, okay, you know, so, throw, hey, listen, throw it in that pile. You, that goes in that pile, that one over there. Hey, listen, we'll gather it together and organize it later. For now, we just have to keep bringing, you know, just receiving everything and we'll, we'll take care of that later. That's what this means. And when Hezekiah came, and he asked about this, huh, what are these heaps doing here? These piles. The priests and Levites, well, they told him, not only do we have enough, we're taken care of but we have so much left over. For over half a year, the people brought the tithe in. You see, this was simply the evidence of their worship of God, their generosity, a willingness and a desire to bless the Lord. It was all unto the Lord. It was work that was done in the hearts of the people First. the individuals didn't know what others were doing they simply they simply gave they each gave as a purpose in their heart personally and this was the result how awesome that is right there's no need everything is taken care of god is good and i just give verse 11 this was the response of the people and and then it Continues on, verse 11, then Hezekiah commanded them to prepare chambers in the house of the Lord. And they prepared them. And they faithfully brought in the contributions, the tithes and the dedicated things. The chief officer in charge of them was uh, Konaniah the Levite, with Shimei, his brother, as second. While Jael, Azaziah, Nahath, Azael, Jeremoth, Josabad, Eliel, and Is- Ismachiah, Mahath, and Benaiah were overseers assisting Conaniah and Shimei, his brother, by the appointment of Hezekiah the king and Azariah the chief officer of the house of God. And Cori, the son of Imna, the Levite, keeper of the east gate, was over the free will offerings to God, to apportion the contribution uh, reserved for the Lord and the most holy offerings. Eden, Miniamin, Jeshua, Shimei, Amariah, and Shechaniah were faithfully assisting him in the cities of the priests to distribute the portions to their brothers, old and young alike, by divisions, except those enrolled by genealogy, uh, males from three years old and upward, all who entered the house of the Lord as the duty of each day required, for their service according to their offices by their divisions. Very orderly, very well organized. Verse 17, the, the enrollment of the priests was according to their fathers' houses, that of the Levites from 20 years old and upward was according to their offices by their divisions. They were enrolled with all their little children, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, the whole assembly, for they were faithfully faithful in keeping themselves holy. And for the sons of Aaron, the priests who were in the fields of common land belonging to their cities, there were men in the several cities who were de- designated by name to distribute portions to every male among the priests, and to everyone among the Levites who was enrolled. And so Hezekiah commanded the the administration, as we read, the administration, the keeping, the management of the tithes, by ordering the appointment of responsibilities, leadership to faithful men who would be accountable and trustworthy in the oversight of these tithes and the distribution to those who were Levites and serving the Lord, and, of course, the lineage of Aaron who were The priests throughout the the land. These men needed to be faithful. They needed to each individually possess a fear of God, a love that would serve him faithfully with utmost spiritual integrity. Portions were distributed to the priests and Levites in support of them and their families. Martin Selman said this, quote, Good planning and the implementation of adequate supporting structures provide a framework in which wholehearted and meaningful worship can take place. Hezekiah, therefore, prepared storerooms to receive the gifts, and various officials were appointed to collect and distribute them. Close quote. Oh, it, was, it was just orderly. <clears throat> in fact... I was, um, I'm always blessed when I'm reminded of just the manner in which things are conducted here at Refuge, and I was in the, um, in the kitchen, and I saw the hospitality schedule on the wall, (laughs) and and I see the names of the people who are, who are scheduled for each week, and I know it it happens the same with has and feet, as it is with security, as it is, and you can go down the list. Of the, the various ministries within Refuge. And I w- I'm always blessed when, when I'm reminded of those things. These things are planned out. They're organized and, and orderly. That's why it's important that everyone have integrity. Your Let your yes be yes. Your no be no. And then follow through with your commitment. Because there's much more. There's a bigger picture. It's not just... What you're doing specifically within your ministry that you have committed to. You see, you, you are facilitating the furtherance of the gospel. The discipleship of people. You are participating in the ministry first and foremost to God. And as we do that to each other, is that not to be handled in a reverent way? Absolutely right. Should be orderly, should be well organized, and it should be participated in by a people who have a fear of God, a reverence for God, and a love for Him. If not, it's all in vain, it's all empty, and it's easy to just walk away from and be inconsistent with. But if you're reverent toward Him, Oh, you will be consistent. You will be able to be counted upon. You will have that integrity. You will, you will be that person that God can count on. Because you know that you can count on Him. He is faithful and He is true. That's what these people knew. They knew He was worthy of everything. They gave joyfully. They served him well. Well, verse 20 says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, He did with all his heart, and he prospered. You see, he prospered because his heart was right before God. And he was used by God to influence the hearts of others toward him. What the king did for the glory of God, he did wholeheartedly. With great zeal, with great passion, with great energy. Unwavering. He's the one that commanded. He's the one that made sure that that people went out and did the things that they were supposed to do. He did it wholeheartedly, did not withhold anything. We need this kind of leadership. One that considers his duty for God to be above all. And is willing to, willing to act upon it with great zeal and with integrity founded upon the truth of God's word. How exciting it is to serve alongside people who are this way. Great zeal, a great passion, great energy. No matter what we're going through, we, consider, we, we continue to advance. Why? Because we consider who our God is and he is worthy of everything. Someone, anyone, be willing, stand up, and be counted. Isaiah said, as God called, here am I, send me. It's all we need to be willing to do. Be willing, available. Do what is good in the eyes of the Lord and do it wholeheartedly. I oftentimes quote 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God is worthy, isn't he? What an encouragement as we studied this chapter. I. the truth of who God is he is faithful he is worthy to be praised he is worthy to be served he is worth our very lives to lay down for his glory so let us live for him amen may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a good evening.